This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 70, that's 7-0, of the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me this week is Richard Hawes. Hey, Mike, we're getting quite elderly now, aren't we? We are certainly getting getting towards that 100, I think. Um, right, before we kick off this week, um, a little bit of bad news. Unfortunately, um, our colleague Dave Wayne has decided... Um, because fame and glory and all the rest of it awaits with his new book, he's having to sort of pour all his attention towards that rather than us. And why not? That's that you might actually get paid for doing that sort of thing. Um, so we're very sad to miss him, but we wish him all the best, obviously. And hopefully, you know, when things die down, we'll get him back on the show. So best of luck, Dave. Anyway. So as usual, we bring you all the news and reviews of the films which didn't make it to the cinema, went straight to video, video, DVD, Blu-ray, streaming media, all that sort of thing. And this week we have two films called Genesis, um, quite different in their um, approach to the title. Um, and also, hopefully, uh, me and Will are going to sit down in a couple of days and do a review of an Australian horror movie called Out of the Shadows. So fingers crossed for that one as well. But before we get into all that, let's get Richard to give us the lowdown on the DTV chart. Right, now it's time for the DTV chart, which was uh, published on Sunday, August 19th. This is based on the official chart Top 100 Videos. Uh, where we've stripped out all the workout videos and compilations of episodes of Paw Patrol and stuff like that, and just focus on the feature films that have been uh, released. Well, we've got eight titles this week, and uh, it's an old friend uh, to mention first. It's Rex, week number 22. Still hanging in to the yeah. top 100. But it's better news uh, at number seven, because we've got the first of a few new entries, starting with Scorched Earth. Yeah, so this is a Gina Carano and John Hanna movie, sort of, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic western. Um, it's okay, it's, you know, it's not Gina Carano's best work, that's for sure. Um, it's it's alright, for what it is. A post-apocalyptic film with John Hanna, that sounds familiar. Hmm. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Right, at number six, uh, we've got The Mountain Lodge. Yeah, so this is a Polish film, isn't it? Um, yes. I mean, we, we have, I suppose we've got the choice. So we can either talk about it here or in the in the washing up. Um, have you seen this one? Yes, I got it on I got it on DVD when it came out. Mm. It's pretty I, good. I, yeah, I watched the trailer of it earlier. I got I'm a sucker for these sort of films, really. You know, the um, the whole. I mean, we'll be talking about another one um, later on as well. Uh, but the, you know, this sort of sort of survivalist horror kind of thing, you know, sort of, sort of up against nature as well as some other sort of human threat as well. Yeah, it's basically some guys get, uh, a, a guy takes his kids up to the to a cabin or something, I can't remember what he was actually doing, but they run mm. into a bad guy on the run. Basically, it's that kind of simple setup and uh, how they try to sort of deal with him because they know he's a threat and, mm. uh, and they kind of, uh, you know, tie him up and all that sort of stuff and he tries to manipulate them and manipulate the kids say it's okay the curious yeah. thing is uh they've say it's come out on dvd with this very um generic cover and mm. title of the mountain lodge which is fine 
but it's also how, how does it, yeah, what's what the actual title translate as in, in Polish? Well, the original translation, the, proper, the, the translation is High Frontier. Right. And what's interesting is that the a VOD release has occurred simultaneously with that original title. So you can find it on, you know, available to, mm. to stream that. I can't, I'm not sure if it's for purchase, but you can find it under the title High Frontier at the same time, which is really strange. Yeah, that is a bit weird. And that sounds a much more enigmatic, you know, and compelling title than the Mountain Lodge. The Mountain Lodge just sounds like the other dozen Mountain Lodge films that we've come across, you know. Yeah, it's like that the, the one about the person who goes walking into the into the wilderness and, mm. and that we've seen a couple of times uh, this year at least. Uh, but yeah, it's I say it's nice to see another Polish movie released. There's, it's, there's literally no trace of the fact that it's a Polish film on the cover or yeah. anything. It's got some good actors, a guy called Martian Doroszynski's in it. He's done some quite high-profile stuff. He's going to be in the film Hurricane uh, soon, which is all about the Polish pilots during World War Two, the Battle oh. of Britain. Uh, and he's done a couple of other. He did Jack Strong, uh, which I know you've seen. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's a he's a top-class actor. And, cool. Yeah, so. Worth, worth, well, worth a look. Uh, number five, it's Daniel Radcliffe in Beast of Burden. Now, this is the one where he agrees to be a sort of drugs mule uh, to pay for his wife's medical expenses. And by the looks of the trailer, like 90% of the film takes place within the cockpit of his, his like one-man plane. Yeah, it's a one-man um, show movie. It's, it's one of these ones, you know, like Locke with... Um, uh, Tom Hardy and yeah. the Frank Grillo one, Will Man, which is on um, Netflix. You know, this is one location, one guy talking to multiple people over an intercom or the telephone, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you like Daniel Radcliffe, then then why not? Uh, it, it, this one doesn't appeal to me personally. No, I'm constantly su- surprised because it's it, with Daniel Radcliffe, he can't escape that Harry Potter shadow. But he makes he's made so many films, so many really diverse and interesting films. Uh, you know, from you know mm. whether you like them or not. You know, there's films like Horns and Swiss Army Man, and the uh, he did a very good television film called My Boy Jack, where he was Rudy, uh, the author Rudyard Kipling's son during oh. World War mm. uh, World War One. That was a that was a good performance. Mm. He's a he's a very good at Imperium. Yeah. I keep meaning to watch. That, that is very good. That's what I was about to mention, actually, Imperium, where, where he goes undercover as a, um, a sort of Nazi, a sort of, you know, um, white supremacist. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a decent little thriller, that one. I yeah. quite like it. Because he quite so, often, I think in, like, in this one, as, as in a few others, he, he does an American accent, which I'm not keen on his American accent mm. very much. Yeah, anyway. It's okay. not as if he needs the money. He, he can do as many diverse roles. Any well, diverse yeah, he probably roles can, yeah. I mean, say he's a he's a good actor, and he's say he can pretty much have carte blanche of doing what he was. So he's he's not sort of tied to you know franchise work anymore. So which is sure. pretty cool for him. Hey, right. So uh, in the sort of Harry Potter fantasy sort of realm, uh, sort of a weird digression. Mm. Uh, we're on to number four, which is of gods and warriors uh, sticking around for the third week. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I quite like this one. Um, it's got, you know, the, the production values are a bit better than some of the sort of, you know, independent fantasy movies that come our way. And, you know, they spent a lot of time on the fight scenes in this one, um, and they are sort of well shot. So, yeah, I'm quite happy with this one. Uh, quite enjoyed it. And the lineup of 
the next couple is pretty much in line with what it was last week. If you saw the the chart mm. on our Twitter account or, or listen to the uh, listen to last week's uh, debt collector special, if you didn't listen to it, mm. I highly recommend you tune in. Uh, at number three, it's Deep Blue C2, for, and it's sticking around for the fourth week. Yeah, not bad. I'm pretty sure you know the Meg is probably helping this out a little bit. Um, but yeah, why not? It, it's it's okay. It's it's um, it, it doesn't have. It isn't as cheesy as the original, you know. It hasn't got the sort of those big moments to sort of keep it going. Is it the kind of film that deserves a quote on the front that says "serviceable"? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it basically, does the job. <laughs> it does the job. Yeah, that's, that's basically it. Yeah, it's got sharks in it. Yeah, <laughs> that sort it. of thing. No worse than the dozen other shark movies that have come out this year. Yeah, it's not an asylum film, you know, there's something along those sort of lines. <laughs> and at number two, it's last week's number one, it's The Death of Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I, as I said last week, I've seen the trailer for this, it does look pretty damn good. Um, you know, it was, it was a huge sort of tentpole event when when um, the comics dropped for this one, and, you know, they, they've done it justice by the looks of it. Um you wouldn't know it from the cover, but you know there are other members of the Justice League featuring in the story as well. It's it's not just about Superman. And from what I can tell, it's I, I don't know if it's you know there's going to be two of these or three of these, but they're doing a they're doing at least two because I know there's another one coming as a follow up mm. to this. So it's a bit like what they did with um, the Dark Knight Returns when right. they released a part one and a part two. Only this time, instead of call, calling it part one, part two, they're calling one the death of Superman, and then I, I can't remember what the next one's going to be called. But right. it's uh, it's the next part of that particular comic book storyline, sure. and then I suppose at the end of that or something, he'll be, be back to business as usual. But yeah, the, the death of Stor- Superman storyline is great. Uh, it's been treated very well in uh, uh, audio uh, mm. because uh, there was a. I think they re- I think it was even called Death of Superman. It was done on Radio One. That was really good. And this would this will struggle to be as good as that. I think. Uh, I don't like the Superman stuff as much as I love the Batman stuff. And I think you said sort of similar. Sure. You kind of gravitate more mm. to, to that. But uh, high quality stuff as usual. And Jerry O'Connell, I think, is playing uh, Superman right. this time. Or Lex mm-hmm. Luthor. One of the two. I'm not sure. Anyway, let's move on to number one, which is Ted Gagan's Mohawk. Absolutely. I, I'm i a big fan of this. Um, Dave was sort of begrudgingly a big fan of this. He, he, he um, When we reviewed it, he said the first time he watched it, he didn't didn't click. Um, second time he, he watched it, he loved it. Um, I, I totally agree. It, it's another case of the cover um, kind of misleading the film because the main protagonist is is a woman um right and, and she's very good you know of course you can't you can hardly see her on the cover um, i did think that when i saw the uh, the artwork yeah, a bit of a change of artwork well um, the interesting thing is this has been picked up by high flyers uh, like, you know normally t- handle you know much lower profile i mean this is sure know, I, I know it went to mm. i think it went to netflix it is it first, is on netflix yeah yeah but it's quite it's quite high profile people know about this film mm. Uh, it's quite. I'm surprised. I was. I think we were surprised that it didn't come out in cinemas, but it uh, isn't quite cinema quality. I mean, you know, it does have a sort of low budget feel to it at right. times because uh, it is a. It's such a small cast, and you know, because there aren't any real sort of physical sets. You know, it's it's all shot outdoors, right. so so it does sort of carry that sort of. I don't know. Um, 
you know, sort of, re, you know, Civil War reenactment kind of thing a little uh-huh. bit, but only only on that sort of level, you know, only because you know, obviously, there's no studio stuff going on um, at all. It's all outdoors, um, but it is really well made, great soundtrack, and really well acted, and at times pretty gory as well. Yeah, the cover is saying the Revenant meets Last of the Mohicans, and uh, we've got, like you say, the picture of the the guy holding his his axe there, mm. and uh, yeah, it, is, it does seem to be very different to the kind of posters that we've, we've originally seen with, the, like you say, the mm. female protagonist. Yeah, and there's about a dozen more characters on that cover than there are in the actual film. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's out of the bunch. It's the one I recommend checking out. It's time for the coming soon section, and this week we've got 12 traders to look at. So it sounds a lot, but some of them are really, really quick. Um, so let's jump in with In Search of the Last Action Heroes. This is a documentary. Um, it's been crowdfunded on Kickstarter, I believe, uh, where a guy is sort of looking to basically interview all the main stalwarts of the um, the classic um, 80s and 90s action genre. So you've got Arnie, you've got Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Carl Weathers, all these guys he wants to sort of round up, including directors, sit them down and, and basically get them on tape. Um, it's quite an ambitious project, but apparently he is filming. Yeah, he also wants to kind of dig deeper and sort of look at why that sort of, why that genre became... How, you know what it what it was mm, and how what it happened. was and, yeah. and how it ended as well. You know the reasons why yeah. I sort of died off. Yeah, so, so I mean, although action movies sort of you know still very much sticking around, mm. it's not quite the same as as it was back in the eighties nineties heyday. So no, be an interesting project. I'm not overly familiar with Oliver Harper who's made who's making it, but apparently mm. he's quite the the YouTube personality. Does a lot of uh, film reviews on there, but I, I don't think I've ever watched any of his stuff. Um, our second trailer is 40, me- 40 meters, 47 meters down the next chapter. Um, so this is just a teaser, basically. It's a bit of a marketing teaser just to sort of get people, wet people's appetite for yet another chapter in the 47 meters down saga. Um, the first one was a bit of a sleeper hit. It was a sort of film that really should have gone straight to DTV, but somehow managed to wing a, um, an actual cinema release. Yeah, did you actually catch this one, Mike? We did. We reviewed it on the um, on the Smoking Lamb. Yeah, um, it's it's got a very stupid ending. Ah, yeah, I remember the review now. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, uh, this one looks all right. I'll you know the premise of it. I'll I'll, get, I'll give it a bash when it when when it eventually comes out. I'm not really interested. I've not seen the original. Uh, I'm not really interested. Mm. Uh, and so the the idea of this one's like, you know doesn't really do anything for me but I, I just find that title the next chapter a bit strange it's, yeah it's not like it's john wick or something it's not <laughs> like it's john wick and it's not as if you're going to get the two you know either of the girls back from the first one as if they're ever going to f- set foot in water again you know <laughs> um but anyway uh moving on to something which does interest me and that is scorpion king the book of souls uh why does this interest me you ask because don michael paul is directing it um, it's the fifth in the series. Uh, the the original um, sequel, which went straight to DTV, was directed by Russell Mulcahy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that was actually really good. I mean, you know, it was lacking a bit of a budget, but I actually really enjoyed it. Um, the other two in between, um, I think one of them had Ron Perlman in it. Um, um, yeah, Lou, uh, Ron Perlman and Billy Zane, I think, was the third. That's right. Yeah. That was when Victor Webster took on the role. So he was the second uh, adult uh, mm. actor to take on the role after um, Don, uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson, originally. Mm-hmm. And now in this film, uh, Roll Rain also directed the, I think he directed yeah. the fourth one. I'm not sure. Anyway, he did, he yeah. did that. And uh, Lou Ferrigno was there. And now uh, Victor Webster's out and we've got Zach. Uh, I can't remember what his name is. The guy from, he's also in, um, he's also in Death Race, yes. um, Death Race Beyond Anarchy. So he's yeah. like the go-to guy yeah. over at uh, Universal uh, Home Entertainment for leading mm. their DTV sequels now. So he's, he's, he's coming to play the role this time. And, uh, yeah, Don Michael Paul directing. He's, you know, he's done loads of DTV sequels. So he's another yeah. pair of hands like Roll Rain. Yeah. There's some interesting uh, people in the cast in this, so I'm curious yeah. to see it, like for the fight scenes and, and that, but, but not yeah. much else. Well, yeah, I mean, Don Michael Pauly also did some of the sniper films, which I'm really, oh. you know, a really, uh, big fan of. Um, uh, Zach McGowan was also in uh, Death Race 4, uh, uh, which, which Don Michael Paul directed. Um, again, I don't think that's had a, a UK release yet, has it? Has it gone to no. one of the streaming sites? I don't know. I don't believe it's actually available yet. I think it's, it's no. almost out in America. It's not quite been released yet. Right, okay. But, um, yeah, so as you say, uh, Don Michael Paul is he's one of those DTV directors um, like Roll Rain and, you know, um, like Kaufman and people like that um, who you can trust to do proper action, basically. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that, even though it's like the fifth um, Scorpion King movie. Um, anyway, moving on to The Punished. Now, interesting enough, I've just started watching The Punisher TV series on, on Netflix, mm-hmm. which which is very good. Um, this, I'm not, I'm on the fence on this one. I really am. Um, I, I need to see more of it before I can make a decision. I think it looks like fun. I mean, it's funny as it's, it's a total knockoff of the Punisher, uh, and it's mm. really upfront about it. The guy wears a skull mask and everything, uh, and it's but it looks quite you know decently. I mean, it's a sort of asylum, but not asylum. It's this guy Rene Perez mm. who's been making you know lots of knockoffs of, of other things here and there, uh, and most recently, I think the film before this was his Charles Bronson. Uh, oh, in inverted commas film yes death so he's basically yeah, looking... from making a, a death wish knockoff to making a punisher knockoff uh, uh, mm. but he's got he's previously done like texas chainsaw massacre knockoffs and stuff like that now you know i'm staring at the name death kiss because you put it on the spreadsheet and i'm i'm thinking death kiss death kiss i know i've heard of that and now you've said it yes yeah the charles bronson lookalike guy yeah um which I want to yeah. see a lot more than this, but it's, sure. I, 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 yeah. I want to see both of them, really. Mm. But yeah, so I, I suppose you can expect a bit of carnage from this one. Um, it, you know, it is, it is a bit of a Punisher ripoff, but we'll see anyway. Moving on to The Dawn Seeker. 
an indie sci-fi action movie where a um is this the one where the spaceship lands on a planet and turns out there's other aliens there? I'm not sure. I didn't is get a lot from the trailer because it's like it's like the trailer's only like a minute long and it doesn't really give you very much mm. um, apart from to see you know there's some practical uh, effects and cost you know costumes for the the creatures involved. The, the poster says a new kind of predator, so they they're trying to sort of ride the mm. coattails of the the upcoming Predator movie and that. I'd say it, sure. it sort of puts it puts to mind some uh, lower budget uh, sci-fi projects like oh, I can't remember what was it Hunter Prey. Oh, I like that. Well, that was um, oh, what was the guy's name? I forgot the guy's name now. Uh, he did like the, the something Corella or something like yeah. that. Yeah, some yes. I, I feel bad not remembering his name, but yeah, yeah. he did the he did like a, a Batman Dead End or, or something That's like it. that. Yeah, and then he sort of graduated to his feature. So he, he he was a guy who understood, um, you know, makeup effects and all that sort of stuff. And this sort of looks a bit like, you know, that's what this brings to mind, that kind of film. And uh, But, you know, it's a minute of footage, so it's hard to tell. There's some interesting creatures on, on the poster. Um, but mm. you know, I'm, I'm not sold on it, to be honest. Yeah, um, neither am I, really. But we, again, you know, was, hopefully we'll see a bit more later on. Okay, one that I am excited about um, is Redcon 1. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, this is directed by a guy called uh, Chi Kyung Chung, who did a couple of really good um, sort of independent movies sort of about five years ago, five, six years ago. Uh, one was called 12 or Underground, which featured just about every sort of British martial artist apart from Scott Atkins at the time. Um, it, was, it was weird. It was like, um, imagine something like MasterChef, Except it's a martial arts contest. <laughs> you know, it, it was it's really well done. Uh, and and also another one called Bodyguard: A New Beginning. That that was very good. Um, so yeah, so what we have here is your typical zombie nightmare um, set in London. Uh, it looks pretty expensive, to be quite honest. You know, the, the sort of set pieces and things actually look pretty decent. It does sort of bring to mind um, the girl with all the gifts, which isn't a bad thing. You know, um, as, as a comparison, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, to getting a bit more on this one. Yeah, it's taken uh, several years. I think I've been making it for like four years, and mm. I've, I've certainly been aware of it for a, you know for quite a while. The poster's been hanging around, and we've been waiting for some footage, footage, and now the trailer is has finally arrived ahead of you know about maybe a month ahead of a, mm. a short theatrical run that it's due to get. Uh, I really enjoyed. The uh, I enjoyed Underground, which I got on an import, and then I also imported because they've never, they've never properly been released, I don't think, in the UK. Uh, I think they did. They did release it as twelve, I think. Did they? Yeah. And uh, Bodyguard: A New Beginning, which I've also got. That was a weird one because it was like the guy who was in the lead, the lead, the lead guy. Mm. I think it was Vincent C. As uh, he was, he almost faded into the background, even though he was supposed to be the main character. He was out, he was outshone by some of the supporting players, which was um, yeah. There was one of the uh, Chinese. It's the, from, like, it's the nephew, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was a nephew who was, was like a really wayward sort of idiot, and then the thing is an attempt on his dad's life or something, and then suddenly becomes one of the good guys. And you're like, you raped and assaulted somebody earlier. <laughs> we're now supposed to be rooting for you. Do you remember? <laughs> the, 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 is it Richard Nook? Yeah. From the uh, 
uh, Lucky Stars films and stuff. He was, All right. And he was really good in that, I thought. Uh, he mm. kind of sold the film. But I contacted um, Mike Leader about that film, and he was like, well, mm. you know, behind you know behind the scenes, things were not too not too rosy so that was kind of why the film didn't quite turn yeah. out the way it was uh, the way it was supposed to but i you know i think chi kyung chung's films always you know although, although they're made on a low budget they always look really good mm. he's got yeah. you know we get, there's there's always good photography and cinematography and, and and choreography in them so that sets up well for for this one which is a, a reunite he reunites with mark strange who worked yeah definitely yeah around and They've got people like Martin Ford and that in it. And the weird thing is it's produced by Carlos, or one of the producers, is Carlos Gallardo, who was the original El Mariachi. Mm. And then sort of produced, so it says from the producer of El Mariachi, Desperado, and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. What, it, what that doesn't say is from the star. Yeah. <laughs> he was the actor. He was the guy who played the character. So he was in, yeah. then cast in Desperado. So I didn't even know he'd become a film producer. Mm. So that's quite interesting that he would get involved in a British martial arts uh, sci-fi movie that's uh, a good, done a good pitch basically yeah and then it says also from the co-creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles which is really strange so they're, they're yeah. sort of highlighting those brand associations mm. that, that are really sort of not I think it's to show there's a bit of money behind it yeah I think so yeah. um, I think and it looks good it does yeah, look it very does. good quality it, it, make, it reminds me of that film Rekill uh, yeah bit, whatever happened which, to that which we, never came out and we never got yeah. to see but that's the film that sort of comes mm. to mind but like you say it's, well, yeah. we've seen I, I did I did get to see that actually but, um, yeah I think it only came out on the midnight so it was a midnight label or something um, sort of as a, as a film festival in this in Los Angeles oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember what it's called now but, but yeah it came out I think it came out on that label originally mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it was good it was, it was a good film Anyway, we digress. Maximum. No, um, I'm skipping ahead. Foxtrot 6 is our next one. Um, an Indonesian film from producer Mario Kassar. Um, don't get a lot from the trailer, to be quite honest, apart from some nice pyrotechnics and sort of people in peril. Um, this could well, go either way, really, at the moment. Well, this is a teaser that I don't know how much they produce, a bit like yeah. a buy bus kind of situation, kind of releasing it to sort of get people interested. The in what is interesting is that, that they highlight. I mean, I think it looks really good. The, mm-hmm. the, the quality of the, the shots, and a bit like that um, that Philippines one we looked at, Maria, a couple of weeks ago. You know, oh, it's yeah, just yeah. A, yeah. a very brief amount of footage, but it sort of tells us something. I think this is in a similar vein to Redcon One, not with the zombies, but like it's a futuristic, kind mm. of, a slightly futuristic story about a bunch of soldiers doing I don't know what. But it was uh, Mario Casals being associated with was really interesting because this is a guy who's strongly associated with some of the biggest stuff of the 80s and 90s and hasn't mm. really done anything since the, the early 2000s, apart from being associated with the Terminator franchise uh, in its various forms. But, uh, he, you know, he's, he's a guy who's, you know, usually associated with quite high quality product, usually Hollywood stuff. So it's, it's interesting to sort of see him essentially coming out of retirement, although I don't think, I think he has actively been trying to work on projects and get them off the ground, but sort of coming Mm. back out of nowhere with an Indonesian film is is quite unusual. Sure. Let's move on to Maximum Impact. Um, This has a whole plethora of um, stars 
Uh, we've got Alexander Nevsky in there. We've got Mark Dacascos, Matthias Hughes. Um, <laughs> yeah, the trailer, it starts a bit weak. Um, and it starts, look, you know, when, when it first starts, you think, oh, God, this looks ultra low budget. But after a couple of minutes or sort of 30 seconds, you don't care what the budget is because it just looks damn good. And, um, I, you know, I can't, I really actually want to become a fan of Alexander Nevsky. So, you know, the more stuff we get to see of his in the UK would be great. I mean, you know, the black, was it called Black Rose? Black Rose, yeah. Yeah, that that was a lot of fun, you know. I want to see him do stuff, you know, more stuff, basically. Yeah, so this is this is the US release trailer, which is quite interesting because it's it's completely different to the original uh, Russian trailer. Mm. Uh, this is a, this is like you say, it's got some big names in, in front of the camera. It's also got some interesting names behind the, uh, the camera as well, because uh, Andrei Barkoviak, who directed Exit Wounds and Cradle from the Grave, and and then later did stuff like Street Fighter Legends of uh, mm. uh, Chun Li, and that he's yeah. he, he's been drafted in for this one, and uh, so we know it's going to have a nice sort of visual style and some good action, I think. But it's what they downplay in this trailer is the comedy, and I think the although you can still see it's there, but in the mm. original Russian, so I'll give you an example. The original Russian trailer, there's a guy in a, in a blue suit, also I think he wears a blue shirt later, and, but he's a but guy in a blue suit he's a bald guy uh, and so he looks funny, and then he's doing sort of silly things like pulling Michael Jackson kind of poses when he's in the middle of a fight scene and stuff like that, and he is pretty much nowhere to be seen in this trailer, there's like one <laughs> shot of him I think, uh, so it's all, in that in that original trailer he is almost like, he is the focus of that trailer yeah. even though it's an Alexander Nevsky vehicle and even in this That's trailer Nevsky is He's hardly there, is he? Yeah. It is he. Yeah. You're mostly looking at Mark Dacascos uh, mm. and you know stuff. So I've read some bad reviews. Uh, not quite sure how it's going to go. I don't. I'm, you know, with uh, Nevsky, I've seen, I've seen most of his. I think uh, he did Treasure Raiders as well mm. with um, David Carradine. Uh, that was pretty forgettable. Uh, and uh, mid uh, Moscow Heat with Michael right. York, which is notable for having an you know quite quite old Michael York doing a sword mm. again uh, with uh, Adrian Paul from uh, the Highlander. Of course. Uh, so Nevsky's had some interesting projects uh, and I think they're getting better. I, I was hoping from the title Maximum Impact that this was going to be a big full-on action movie. So the whole comedy stuff. Tom Arnold's in this as well, by the way. There's a bit yeah. of a cradle, for, cradle to the Grave kind of reunion. There's loads of people <laughs> in that movie sort of turning up in this. But yeah, uh, I will watch it. Let's just have mm. to sort of wait and see. T-34 is the next one. This is a, another Russian war movie. Now, Rich, I was confused by this. Um, I couldn't tell if the protagonist was meant to be a Russian captured by the Germans training a Russian tank crew to fight for the Germans, or if it was a German guy captured by the Russians <laughs> teaching a Russian crew to fight for the Russians. I'm glad it's not just me, <laughs> but yes, I think it was. Uh, I think it was a Russian and Russian crew who'd been captured by the Germans, and then because basically the trailer gives away half the movie, and it looks mm. like at the uh, at the end. So he's enlisted. He's got to work for them and train their people, and then I think they bust out, and you know they have like a breakout kind of thing at the end. There looks to be some really good, you know, tank action sure. in it. 
I'm, I wasn't impressed with the last sort of tanky movie that I saw, which was uh, Battle for Moscow. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, I, I thought it looked, you know, you know, looked a really decent quality. It does. Um, yeah. The story looks interesting. You know, it's not one of. I mean, we've seen similar kinds of stories before, but not with tanks rolling around and busting <laughs> through prisons and stuff. So. Yeah, this, this looks pretty full on. Uh, okay, another film which is definitely going to be full on when it finally gets here is Iron Sky, The Coming Race. Now, what I quite like about this trailer is that it acknowledges straight away that, yes, it's taken like five years to get this film out. Because uh, it starts off with like saying in 2016, he goes, no, 17, no, no, 18, no, 19. <laughs> we can finally get there. Um, in 2019, they're finally going to release this thing um, where Nazis have been living in the center of the earth um hitler riding a dinosaur and all the rest of it it looks a lot of fun yeah i think the, the, exactly the same as you that was the main takeaway from for me from this was that was that self-awareness of the the delay in in release quite why uh you know could be you know trying to polish off the effects and get some extra money mm. and stuff but you know in the in the intervening time I know, you know, they're making Iron Sky 3. We already reviewed the trailer for that yeah, <laughs> uh, a few episodes back, uh, Iron Sky the Ark. So mm. who knows when that one will be out. <laughs> uh, yeah. so, and as we found with things like The Eagle Path, um, uh, uh, sorry, Full Love, you know, mm. announcing a film is definitely going to come out next year is not necessarily a given. So, uh, sure. the, you know, we're, we're, they seem pretty confident that it's going to be... Uh, I think they're premiering it like an on, doing like an online premiere people can buy mm. into uh, in yeah. January. So that's quite an interesting approach. That's a, that's a nice approach, yeah. So we'll wait and see. Looks Our good. Penul- <laughs> Our penultimate film is Danger One. Now, I quite like the look of this. This is sort of a um, almost like a sort of Treasure of Sierra Madre kind of setup or trespass, where a ambulance crew. Um, come to the aid of a guy who's been shot uh, and discover that attached to his body is something close to a million dollars. So on the ride back, they're sort of wondering what to do with the money. And of course, there are other people who are after the money as well. Um, I think this is probably the most, this is is one of the top ones of the, um, of the list for me. I, I really like the look of this. Um, it, it's sort of playing the trailer plays it a bit like a black comedy, um, but, yeah. but I, li- I like it. I, I like the look of it. Yeah, the the whole uh, regular people doing regular jobs discover a life changing amount of money, and then it you know things mm. you know they turn against each other and have to deal with a bigger threat. Whatever we've seen that like say loads of times before. I wrote down trespass as well. That was the, the one of the films that came to mind, specifically the Walter Walter Hill films, just about to yep. about on Blu-ray, I believe. That's um, right, yeah. And really. uh, quite a quite a cult classic that one. But yeah, it's um, this looks okay. The film that initially it reminded me of when I first saw it was uh, I think it's a Dutch film. It was never released over there called Ambulance, uh, uh, and I keep meaning to revisit it because it was such a good film. It's it's mm. different to this because it was all about uh, I think it was a couple of guys. Uh, do a robbery and then they steal an ambulance or something and it's like a uh, they're yeah. trying to get away kind yeah. of thing really, really good well I remember it's being really good I'd have to rewatch it again but the other thing about this was uh, Tom Everett Scott because uh, he, he sort of turns up here and there I think he was in Enemies Closer a few years ago alright yeah. and uh, he's just one of those guys who you thought wasn't around anymore he sort of, so he, he did like American Werewolf in Paris 
mm. and stuff like that during his sort of heyday. I think he was in uh, Boiler Room and stuff like that as well. But um, yeah, he's, he's, so he's still knocking about. But yeah, it looks all right. I don't quite get Danger One uh, as a title for it. It doesn't mm. seem to ring true for the. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's got relevance. Yeah. I, it made. I was expecting a more bombastic film uh, with that title than this, which is yeah. Well, let's uh, face it. It's probably been going to be called something like the ambulance when it comes the, to the UK. The ambulance guys. Or the something. ambulance guys or something. <laughs> yes. Who knows? Anyway, we'll keep an eye out for that one. Okay, so our final trailer for this week is a film called Killer Kate. Uh, so this is the most offbeat comedy. Um, or black comedy of the of the bunch. Uh, this sees a woman called Kate going to her estranged uh, sister's um, wedding. No, um, sort of hen party weekend where they're going to some motel. And stuff starts to happen. There's some sort of redneck guys who might be sort of trying to sort of muscle in, and some sort of a bickering between various factions of the girls. Um, this looks pretty bloodthirsty as well. It's, it's, it's going full out for the red stuff, yeah. um, with its tongue firmly in cheek, I think. Yeah, I think it's like a, a hunting weekend kind of thing, but then it mm. turns out the people they're hunting are actually each other. And uh, mm. so you get a bit of a there's a little bit of a mayhem kind of element to it and stuff yeah. like that. Of, mm. you know, it's not it's not people trying to kill their friends. It's like one group against another group and then like try, I don't know, you know, things like uh, cheap thrills and things like that, just sort of t- taking joy in uh, in these, uh, you know, dastardly acts and, and stuff. I think it's going to be that sort of thing. So the poster's really good. Uh, mm. And the it looks, uh, ind- it's like an indie kind of movie. Uh, but sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with any other cast or the director, but uh, it looks quite strong. I believe so. Yeah, it's one to keep an eye out for anyway. Okay, so that is our coming soon section for episode 70. Our first review this week is Genesis Fall of a Crime Empire. In this one, a crime cartel led by Pegasus conspires to retrieve parts of an ancient extraterrestrial artifact which is rumoured to bestow godlike powers. In the meantime, Detective West and his partner is trying to make headway with his drug lord case and the help of an informant. Somehow, these two threads are going to entwine. Rich, what did you make of this? It's a weird one. You know, you can't, I mean, this, uh, I saw this on... Amazon Prime, which was released on first as a Genesis Fall of the Crime Empire. It's now coming out on DVD with uh, just the title Genesis, uh, and I think the tagline is Time is Ticking Away or something like that. And the the whole sort of sci-fi-ish look of the film, and then that subtitle, Fall of the Crime Empire, was just like, hmm, that's a curious mix. Mm. Uh, and the film kind of lives up to that because it is basically a crime story for the most part but with these sci-fi bits thrown in it's a low budget sort of i'd say no budget movie and um but with some nice visual effects the it's all about it's all the um sort of holographic technology stuff that just seems to be really easy to do uh now for, for, mm. for a lot of uh, these uh effects houses and so the film sort of relies on that to sort of establish its near future sort of setting it's a very much the world we recognize it's cops and robbers uh 
the, the villain Pegasus is basically doing a Thanos and trying to get hold of pieces for this, uh, this you know, to access this alien technology thing. So, well, probably Lex Luthor is a, is a better comparison. But he isn't even really in it that much. It's kind of weird. It's kind of, that's going on in the yeah. background while there's this other stuff happening. And, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's curious. It's a bit shoddy, though. It is a bit shoddy. Um, and, and, you know, if, if it weren't for the fact those effects were so cheap, I'd have said, don't bother with them. You know, save the money for a few extra decent sets or something, or, you know, a bit bit, bit better editing. Um, or actors. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or a scriptwriter. <laughs> I mean, how bad was some of the dialogue? It was pretty bad. People it talking was... like people do not speak. Like they were speak, trying to write yeah. it like a like it was a Shakespearean play or something. Yeah, <laughs> and it came across like a '90s cut scene from a from a video game. Um, there there are a few elements I did like. There's a bit where um, uh, Pegasus auditions uh, a new henchman, which is quite good. Where he just turns around and says, "All right, um, I'm going to my car now. You got three minutes to join me." And then just walks out of the room, and then he's caught. You know, people are attacking him and things like that. You know, it's it's not particularly well done, but it's it's serviceable. Um, also, the, the 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 informant guy actually comes across quite well. There's, you know, he he has a good scene where he has to go undercover and sort of meet his boss, um, and that goes south. I quite like that. But yeah, this whole st- there was another bit as well when they go on a sort of raid to the um the garage. And yeah. his and Detective West's partner is sort of telling him how they got there and you know what gave it away and and things like that and that was actually quite well written, you know just a little bit of exposition it actually sounded like proper police work, you know <laughs> in the middle of this, I thought that was actually quite good, but the, there's a whole thing where um, it turns out one character is actually undercover and he sort of he busts everyone for being dirty cops I'm thinking. Sorry, what? Where did this come from? This, you know, there's no mention of any sort of corruption up to this point. It just happens. It's it's really weird. And then there's a sort of a throwback flashback scene where you realise that what you saw earlier could be construed as being somebody tipping off somebody else. You know, if you wanted to sort of think like that. Um, But yeah, somehow I got through this without fast forwarding it. Which is just as well because it's only sixty-eight minutes long. It's barely a feature. Well, that's uh, that was the thing that sort of annoyed me because it was there's a big twist kind of thing happens and you think oh the final act of the movie must be kicking in now because I know this mm. is a like an hour and twenty minute long movie mm. and then it's like no no it's not no. <laughs> this is that's the that's the op- uh, what is it the the cliffhanger. Mm. For the uh, or the lead-in for the next. So basically, this film has been about the. This has been about world building. Yes. It's a it's a, um, a pilot or it's a um, you know the first in a proposed franchise, which I think is a bit ambitious for a film like this. But the well, yeah, the, I mean, it's the. I just want to interject. The, the the sort of thing that gave it away that I was a bit worried at the start was it starts with like three production logos, and I swear they all use the same sound of like a like a crashing sort of synth kind of thing mm-hmm. so it's like oh hang on a minute that's a, that's a bit dubious and then there's the exposition kind of stuff and the, the acting not being very good and i was thinking this is more like a 
uh, like a fan film kind of project. It, it should have been a short film, kind of not overextend their reach, basically. Mm. You know, more some, something more like Black Lightning that we did a few weeks ago. And uh, sure. But they've tried to make it a feature-length movie, but, you know, doing the old sort of Charles Bandy trick of, you know, actually make it really short, but then do really long end credits. And they even pad it out with, like, um, oh. uh, I don't know if you saw, but the... Uh, so end credits, scenes. well, before you get to that, before you get even get to that, there's there's an there's a like an end credit scene like you get in a Marvel movie. Yes, exactly, exactly. Where, where they, you know, they, they introduce a, another character... Who's in prison? They're called the Skillet Man or something yeah. like that. Skillet. Yeah. It's like, they're thinking. I mean, that that's incredibly overambitious. You, know, you know what I thought of? I, I thought of um, M Night Shyamalan and what he's doing with uh, oh, with glass and things, yeah, glass and Unbreakable and stuff. Because this is essentially, although it's it barely touches on it, it's a superhero origin. Movie, yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, with all this crime stuff happening as well, and so. And the, and the thing is, the guy who's the, the main character, essentially, is not particularly charismatic or engaging as the lead. Uh, he, I'm not sure where he's from, but he's English, it's like English as a second language, and he's not, uh, or it seems to be anyway. And it's actually uh, the white male detective character who sort of heart, he seems to sort of the heart of the film. You, you know, you're more... Well, exactly. Which, yeah. is, which is strange, because it's, it's, it's supposed to be about... The, these um, these African American or, or, or you know otherwise uh, black characters they're supposed to be sort of the main mm-hmm. main guys in this uh, so that was very unusual as well. It is very unusual, as I say. I mean, you know, we're following around this Detective West character, sort of white detective, um, and then all of a sudden at the end of the film, like the film's hijacked by this other character who up to that point had been. You know, a cameo at best. You know, he'd been in like two or three scenes, um, and all of a sudden, he's like hijacked the movie and said, "No, no, this is my movie." You know, you're now that you're now my sidekick, sort of thing. It's 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 really really strange. I will say, I was quite impressed with some of the action. Uh, mm. I thought they tried pretty hard. I mean, there's some there's some big gunfights which are not too bad and you know all things considered sound effects and CGI muddle, mm. muzzle flashes and whatnot but they would have been good if you could understand what was happening because they're cut in a way that's just completely incomprehensible you no, just don't that, know where people are yeah um, that's exactly what I was going to say yeah, um, yeah they're just badly edited together basically but yeah. we do um, get a almost one take sequence of I think the one of the main sort of bad guy characters is called Sus, mm. uh, and he comes into this bar, uh, sort of bar, and takes out a whole bunch of people. So they're mostly, the Hell's and, Angels guys, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's mostly done in one shot, or seems to be. Mm. So that was quite well handled, I thought. And there's a bit a similar kind of scene where this massive enforcer guy, who's like you know, big bodybuilder oh, yeah. character, does a Terminator and just sort of goes into this mm. place. Like, Mm. Uh, and it's almost like the uh, the police station scene, and just sort of goes in and just sort of massacres yeah, a whole bunch of guys. Uh, so he, that was quite good. Um, but yeah, some and look, you know some of the fight choreography was okay, but really it was it's, mm-hmm. it yep. was overextending itself. Definitely, it's 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 bit enough more than it can chew, and yeah, the ending's just gonna have people scratching their heads more. Than sort of saying, well, okay, what happens next, sort of thing, um, which is a shame. 
But yeah, um, that mid-credits Marvel kind of scene is yeah, sort of the kicker. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, that's, that's overconfidence, I think. <laughs> a little bit. So where where are you, what are you going to score um, it, Mike? I'm I'd be charitable. I'm give this a five out of ten. Yeah, I oh, I'm torn. Uh, okay, I'll go for a five as well. <laughs> I was going to go four. I'll go five. I've pulled you up. Okay. You got away lightly. Genesis, Fall of a Crime Empire, or whatever you're called now. Uh, two fives from the DTV Digest. <laughs> Our second review this week is Genesis. Deja vu. In this one, we have John Hanna, among other people. Eden is a small underground community trying to survive in a post-apocalyptic future. Small recon parties scour the scorched earth and toxic wastelands for fellow survivors and much-needed supplies, whilst inside the residents grow restless from the constant cuts of rations and hard labour forced upon them by upper echelons. Meanwhile, a team of scientists are readying a cyborg capable of surviving the outside without the need of a hazmat suit. He could be man's final chance at survival. Okay, um, so Rich, this is the one with John Hanna in it, the Genesis with John Hanna. What did you make of it? It's a very polished-looking film. So it's got, clearly got a low budget. They brought in John Hanna because he's a he's an affordable, you know, recognisable star. So he's in it. Uh, he's in it sort of here and there. We've got Ed Stoppard as well. Not as big, not as big a name, but a sort of a similar calibre of actor. Although unfortunately, mm-hmm. he's playing an American here. So two good quality actors in uh, amongst with some other people. I'm not sure the name of the female uh, scientist character, but she was very good. The thing about this film is that it's got a lot of plot going on. Uh, and there's like multiple plot strands. Uh, there's there's a sort of a coup uprising kind of plot and uh, an and the stuff about the androids. There's the various sort of secrets about the society and, and the you know what's what was the truth about what really happened and the truth about what's happening inside. There's a lot of talking. Uh, mm. I thought it was quite, I thought it was overlong. And personally, I didn't find it very engaging. I was very, I, after initially being quite drawn in, I became quite detached and I was checking my phone and stuff. And, and the, it was, although I thought the production values were excellent, I just thought it was lacking. I totally agree with you. Um, I, I had in my notes that there was too much going on, and at the same time, there's nothing going on. Um, you know, as you said, too many plots trans going on, and as a result, nothing really sort of develops in any sort of compelling way. Um, there is one or two nice little plot twists. That's yes. that, um, one which I didn't see coming, I must admit. Um, but yeah, overall, it's just like, and it's just so dour as well. You know, there's nothing to sort of get to grips with. It's just a misery fest from start to finish. Well, the thing is, it's doing, it's it's not doing anything new. It's 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 mm. touching on lots of ideas and or using lots of ideas that you know it's it's good. They're good ideas, but they're all things we've seen a million times before. Yeah. And, and they've sort of taken the worst bits of those ideas and sort of stuck them in the same movie, basically. 
And, you know, when, when it all goes tits up towards the end, it's very difficult to sort of keep track of who's who, you know, who's where and and everything. And, and it again, goes on and on and on. Yeah. And this is another film which sets itself up for a sequel. Yeah. Which, which feels like it should have been the first five minutes of a bigger film. Well, that's the thing, you see. So we get all this stuff about the androids, which is uh, the android going off and, and the, the, the scientist lady sort of, you know, mm. and what was happening with her and yeah. revelations about uh, why the android looks a particular way and relationships in the past and stuff. So they, they, they set quite a lot up. But that, the, that whole plot thread is pretty much mostly detached from everything else that's ha- happened until the very end, which, like you say, is really setting up for a signal. So weird as it's weird as it is, not only do we have two films called Genesis, we have two films called Genesis, which basically have the same agenda. Yeah. Uh, and, and they've even got the same sort of subtitle. I mean, uh, the, the, we, we have Genesis Fall of the Crime Empire. And this one, it turns out at the end of the movie, because when, it, when, the, end, when the film ends, they sort of scream, it's the first of a series, and, uh, or proposed series, and it comes up, Genesis, mm-hmm. The Fall of Eden. So they've both got, <laughs> they're both pretty much identical titles, really, in a way. And yeah. uh, the, it's, it's too much, you know, both these films, it's too much world building. It's not really enough about telling a simple story. I was, I was brought to mind of um, Risen, the Risen that we yeah, watched, yeah. which was much more economical, similar kind of setting. You know, interior corridors and, and stuff like that didn't have a lot to work with but created a strong impression a film I really want to revisit again whereas this had a lot loads of extras big score mm. um, you know mm-hmm. bit of star power here and there but nothing quite working yeah I mean it sort of let itself down when it when it especially when it goes to the outside world and it does feel like it's just like um, a bunch of people running around in um, Epping Forest in hazmat suits. Mm. It does look you cheap, know. doesn't it? It does look cheap. In fact, I was reminded of um, the film that Evolution Pictures put out um, with John Reese davis and I can't remember the title of it. Oh, Orcs. Um, yeah, Orcs. You know, that's the sort of level I'm t- we're looking at here, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and it was yeah. also too drawn out, like that whole opening scene. Mm. establishing the threat and all they've got to get away with the, the you know the suits are you know down to mm. 85 percent or whatever that went on for ages and by the end of the movie the whole thing about the suits saying at, uh, at you know a resistance mm. at 94 percent or whatever was like shut up also when you know when you get to the end um and, and the lab has been contaminated um i didn't get how it got contaminated and the you know the siren or whatever the you know the announcements that kept on going on. I, I just couldn't work out what had actually happened at all. You know who who had done what and why to whom. It, it just didn't make any sense at all. Well, I got lost when the uh, the android leaves the compound hmm. and uh, stuff was sort of kicking off. And because I've been distracted on my phone, I was I was just thinking, hang on a minute, I don't actually know what just happened there, but I don't really hmm. care enough to to pause it and go back and sort of spend the time, time to look at it. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. Yeah. This is a, you know, this is a film with, you know, on the surface, a lot of potential. It's got a really nice poster, uh, you know, half decent budget. In, uh, but uh, the, the DTV fate is, uh, you know, completely understandable. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, I did quite like Chike Oconquo. Chike Oconquo. Um, he was the android, yes. He was the android. I thought he was quite good. He had this sort, you know, that sort of emotionless voice going from, um, you know, with an emotionless voice with intelligence, basically, sort of quite, worked really well. Um, they didn't really pay off his skills, though. They kind of set up the whole, oh, he's been trained to be the ultimate fighter and, and all this kind of thing. And, you know, he he does do a little bit of combat, mm. but not not much, really. And, well, he didn't have, like, it wasn't anyone to get, have combat with, basically, is yeah, it? Yeah, that's true, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the. So, again, because you, when you're doing a double build like this, you can't help but compare the two. But sure. I thought the action, you know, in the other Genesis was a lot more engaging and, and, you know, involving. And even the plot, you know, I was like, you know, although I that film's got its problems and, you know, I'm probably more interested in seeing where that film goes mm. than seeing where this film goes. Because it's, a, it, cause it's almost like this film doesn't really have an excuse. You know, the, no. the, the, money, the money and, you know, talent was there. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, how are you going to score this one? I'm gonna for different reasons. I think I'm also gonna go for a five. And again, I I agree with you. Um, it, I I feel that the fall of the crime empire one has benefited from a five. If you see what I mean, the thing of being, you know, it's earned its five. This one, you know, it's it's almost like no, you you've lost points. You, you know, you could have been you could have been better. Yeah. But you're not, um, so you've ended up with a five. I'd say I do think someone. I think I, I might be Olivia Grant, who was the the main mm. actress in the film. She was very it good. It was yeah. And uh, yeah, so some was, of, yeah. some of the people involved are really good. It's just overall, it just it didn't work, and it was just too boring. I think if the, if it was you know, twenty minutes shorter and a bit sharper, uh, that would have been enough for me, really. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so both of us Genesis's score fives from me and Rich. Our next review is Out of the Shadows, an Australian horror movie directed by Dee McLachlan. In this one, Eric and Katrina Hughes are about to have their first child, but have yet to find an, an affordable house to call their own. While investigating a particularly nasty homicide in which a man murdered his whole family and blamed it on shadows... Eric's boss points him in the direction of an old large house which has been standing empty for decades and might be just the place he and Katrina are looking for. Horror movie fans will be cringing right now. Uh, once they moved in, however, spooky things start to happen, of course they do, leading Katrina and eventually Eric to believe malevolent presence wants to steal their unborn child. Um, now, this, this being the second Australian horror movie we've discussed... You can't sort of help but draw comparisons to Backtrack, I think, uh, which we covered last year, mm. which it has to be said is a much more polished and original film. Um, that being said, mm. I think there are things to enjoy here as well, but um, the, the, I think the premise is a bit too, a bit too rote, bit too middle of the road. It's just so well trodden. I mean, it really, you know, this you almost. Like each each new revelation, it's not really a revelation. It's just it, you know, it, ticking the boxes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's just paint by the numbers. Which I don't, you know, I don't mean to sort of do it down, but you, you, it it does seem very familiar. Hmm. Um, Excuse me. Um, 
<laughs> and that's the end of the review. No, um, <laughs> I mean, there are there are some good things I, I like about this. I mean, um, and, and there's some some bits which are just purely Australian. I think. Um, for example, the first night there's weird weird noises going on in the house, um, and uh, Katrina sort of going, "There's somebody here," and of course Eric mm. walks around the house. No, there's nobody here. And then they get mm-hmm. up in the morning, and some something or someone has flipped over his his patrol car, and it's yeah. like, well, that's kind of escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, and that, to be honest, that was something that was you know that that was something I noticed about the film all the way through is that things went from kind of, you know, zero to 11 really fast. Yes. And, you know, and people's sort of people's kind of coping with it jarred mm. because it's like, you know, they, they sort of, they, it's sort of, you know, it would freak people out more than it did. If you know what I mean? Like that in itself was like, Oh, it's just prank. Really? Mm. What? Someone got someone, someone managed to get like a power lifter or, or yeah. you know, JCB. You your car without anyone well, hearing a thing or leaving any exactly. or handprints yeah. or anything. Yeah. yeah, and 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 that's not a cause for more than oh, it's obviously just some sort of childish prank. Yeah. Well, you know, no, <laughs> it's, it's really not. It's, it's yeah. it kind clearly of more than me um, of the remake of Amityville Horror, where sort of the main protagonist sort of wakes up in the middle of the night and he sees like this vision of uh, this woman being hanged in his room, you know, there's Ooh. blood everywhere, and he sort of wakes up with a fright, you know, and his wife turns to him and goes, "What's wrong?" And he goes, "Nothing." no that that, that's that's a discussion you know what i mean that's (laughs) like i think it's a discussion for right then as well it's not like oh we'll talk about it in the morning no i've I've just had a vivid hallucination (laughs) yeah yeah, the thing with the car flipping as well i kind of i did like um katrina's sort of um passive aggressive nature because she comes out and she goes see told you there was a noise or somebody was here <laughs> gosh yeah yeah i, I mean up for the i week, think Katrina. <laughs> i i kind of you know if i'm honest it it doesn't the biggest difference between this and uh backtrack that was the one with the, the kind of train wreck where all the people yeah, were that's right, yeah, connected isn't it? yeah yeah, yeah the the so the difference between this and that and i think we also did we also watch another one with um like there was a there was there'd been a murder in a in like a railway signal box or something oh, or that was, was that the same one same one yeah that's that actually yeah. there's an awful lot going on in that film actually <laughs> but the, the difference the difference I found was that 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 thing that you really that I I've always appreciated with Australian films of any genre is that sort of idiosyncratic Australian humour that just mm. it just gets you it just it's always sort of it's always pertinent. It's always suitable, and it always kind of deepens the characters. And I just didn't find that it that there was as much of that in this mm. in this film. I just thought that, like for an Australian for an Australian film, parts of it that you'd expect that stuff to come out were just quite po faced and yeah. serious. And it, and it's like and I really noticed. I watch Australian film. I love it when we get to do review an Australian horror because mm. that that humour. I just think it's there's no there's no there's nothing else like it around the world. You know, it just you know, that that kind of world weary sort of pragmatism that you know that comes out in the in the humour is just it's brilliant, and it was missing. I think, in my opinion, it was just not there. It just wasn't present. They would they you, you'd have heard it between um, uh, God, what's his name, the husband, Eric. and his uh, and his partner on the force, yeah. and it was and it was just it was just absent. You know, you're just expecting that that kind of brilliant sort of dynamic, and it just wasn't there. No, I mean obviously the good mates and everything, but but there was no none of the sort of ribbing or anything like that. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was all very sort yeah. of po-faced. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, sort of thing you'd expect in an American movie, basically. There's one, <laughs> one, bit, one thing I did like, and it is sort of just a silly thing, is... Um, you know, they're, they're dealing with this case where this this guy has sort of murdered his family and they sort of said, oh, it's the shadows or something. And they're off to sort of, you know, look at some evidence or something. And their boss rings them up and goes, oh, no, don't worry about the case. Go, go check out the house. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's an abandoned house. So there's much more important right now, you know. Cause you, which are, <laughs> really? <laughs> it's almost like sort of chief Wiggum standards of policing, isn't it, you know? We're getting to the bottom of this murder case, Chief. Yeah, but I think you really you might want to be interested in this house over there. You know, it's, it's still going cheap. God, nobody. <laughs> yeah, and it's like with you know, if someone said that to you, you'd be like, no, I'll do it in daylight if it's all right, Chief. I mean, I think I'll go there in, in broad daylight with, mm. with you know a couple of mates, not on my own in the middle of the night. And it's like in the middle of the bush as well, isn't it? It's properly on its yeah, own. Yeah, it's right on the outskirts of town sort of thing. I mean, because, you know, they live in sort of quite a reasonably sort of cosmopolitan sort of town. Mm. It's, it's not the outback or anything. Mm. But where, where this particular house is, is, you know, on the on the outskirts, there's lots of foliage around and things like that. So it's quite different. Um, yeah. There's, I mean, one, one of the other interesting things about it, um, which does sort of kind of set it apart, is the sort of religious aspect of it, because mm. it, it sort of really does sort of embrace sort of the more Catholic sort mm. of rituals and, and language than, mm. a, you know, a lot of these films, when, they, when they're sort of talking about exorcisms and things like that, you know, it's, it's very sort of generic wording. Mm. You know, but this one sort of really gets into it. So it's it's like, yeah, this this is sort of Catholic, it's like Catholic sort Ooh. of um, sort of rituals and, and um, ceremonies that they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think they they, you know, they clearly wanted to have it authentic. You know, the the, the rogue freelance exorcist, you know, that, that punk girl mm. um, who, who sort of turns up and does it against the kind of against the advice of the. Um, her priest, uncle, yeah, yeah the, lo- the local priest, who is sort of like, no, there's ways that we've got to do this, and you know, is quite kind of hidebound by it. Well, uh, you know, she's sort of this kind of Constantine figure, yeah. Um, you know, that that sort of, I actually quite, I actually quite liked her character, and I quite mm-hmm. liked the backstory that they gave her. It's quite interesting, you know, that she was a, um, a troubled teen who, you know, fell in with a bad crowd and learned from personal experience, and then is now on this sort of crusade. You know, which was actually again quite, quite kind of constanting. But you know, as a, as a character, I thought she was, you know, I thought she was quite good. But it's like, you know, it, it, they, they could have done, they, they could have actually done more. I think they could have, they could have fleshed if they, they fleshed it out more. But it, it did work. And you're right, it was very traditional. Um, you know, and I think if they were going to do this, then they wanted to, they wanted to make sure it was authentic. So actually, yeah, that was quite, that was quite points in its favour. The, I mean, on on sort of you know attached to that as well. You mentioned about sort of the um, the uncle, the, you know, the local priest, and his mm. sort of reluctance to get involved. And mm. you know, you find out that yes, they they did sort of jump to conclusions in, in another case where you mm. know they they did an exorcism on this kid, and it turned out actually he was just like mentally ill or something. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. So so you can sort of see, yeah, I want to want to be sure this time, you know, that, um, mm. even even though everyone's sort of screaming at them, it's demons, there's demons in the house, sort of thing. Which is, which kind of, kind of, yeah. I mean, it, it was that was, it was quite interesting because it's something that's not, I don't think, is ever really made much of in in other movies. So it's like mm. sort of really trying to ground it in, trying to sort of ground the whole thing in reality. Um, yeah. You know, just because it's like, I think didn't the Catholic Church sort of 
a couple of years ago, they only just sort of said we're not doing exorcisms anymore. Or well, it's, it's quite the opposite. Some... I mean, actually, they they they're hiring more exorcists exorcists now than ever before. They're, you know, there there is actually a, a sort of an exorcism college in, in the, the Vatican. Wow, and, my and, bad. Yeah. My, my research was, was <laughs> uh, completely wrong, but I didn't I didn't, didn't realise. But I mean, I know that they've got like a whole doctrine, and it's like you know mm. they don't like you know obviously talking about it because of reasons like what that pre said where. You know, you can't kind of you can't underestimate could you know someone someone being mentally ill, and if you're if you, what you're doing isn't is 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 not helping, then it, it, that would be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are some you know there are some nice little bits and pieces. I found I found the the sound design to be a bit over the top. Um, when, when you got the sort of voices and things, the thing is, you know, um, I was playing this back on a laptop with my headphones on, so you, you kind of hit with this sort of oral barrage of noise you know is um it's supposed to be sort of subtle whisperings and things but it's it's like subtle shoutings or whispers basically yeah i mean i, I yeah i know i know what you're saying it's like when when the voices are talking to them from you know the the, the shadow voices and stuff mm. and like you know again people were really quite you know quite calm by you know disembodied voices <laughs> yeah literally sort of talking to them in in you know of a mixture of latin and english and you know it's like what is that but you, know, you won't be saying what is that you'd be like i'm, I'm, I'm going yeah. <laughs> i'm leaving I'll, we'll talk about this in the pub um mm. you know what, whatever but no i know what you mean it, it kind of it mm, did seem a bit sledgehammer at times yeah. um and on on that note actually some, uh, something else about it is is this like the final yeah you know, is this the final edit of the film i think so um, I, I know changes were made because I was, I was about to say um, when, when they sent across like the the production stills, you know, because I was I did a written review of this as well, and they, they sent across something like 180 um, sort of pictures, and I was going through them, and there's a whole scene where the blonde woman is mm. performing a baptism on on, oh, right. the, on the baby. Oh um, right. Okay. So that's, obviously, that's obviously gone. yeah, that's gone. That, that was obviously, you know, they obviously had a different ending in mind. That's mm. mm. I actually, yeah, I, the um, the over the top the, ending they went for. It really was flipping over the top. Actually, I mean, it's mm. a don't, you know, don't want to don't want to spoil it or anything. But I actually, to be fair, it, it was for me. It was kind of paint by by the numbers quite a long way through. But then when when things get into high gear at the end, I actually didn't expect. Mm. Um, it to it to go the way it did that was quite that was quite a you know an interesting twist um i you know you kind of think you know what's going to happen and then you don't and then it kind of makes you look back and think uh, well hang on a minute like actually it's not that what they thought it wasn't that at all sort of thing um you know yes, as regards as, as regards the midwife yeah sort that's, of thing. that's the clever bit because you know um the, ca- the characters in the film make pretty big decisions you know sort of um sort of circumstantial decisions mm. you know based on i suppose assumption and gut reaction to what they mm. see in here so so they they do one thing but basically end up making a huge error and having to face yeah. the consequences of that you know in yeah that they, made, they, they made a big mistake and then at the end you know and it was it was like oh right okay yeah, no, that, that's that's something I didn't expect. You kind of expected a certain denouement to this film, and you don't you don't get it. And it's it's you know the whole idea for me of horror is to you know is for you know that kind of uneasiness. It doesn't always have to be wrapped up 
comfortingly at the end if you see yeah. what i mean so yeah. like actually it's quite refreshing when you know things go slightly awry um, and that ending scene really did go flipping awry didn't it i mean it was, it was different. Well, i was going to say like the there wasn't just the the kind of the, the sound design of like the you know the, the creatures whatever the, the, the shadows i think some of the music in it was a little bit incongruous um yeah like you know that's why i was asking if it was if it was the final final edit because it was just sort of there's some really weird choices for <laughs> for some of the for some of the score. Oh, I, I, mean. I hadn't noticed, but uh, yeah. Uh, watch, watch it again. It's like I think, and you know the, but I, I kind of realised what they were trying to do. I mean, there was like sort of quite a lot of heavy rock for yeah. um, the um, for the Exorcist lady hmm. um, and her stuff, and then quite a lot of kind of classical stuff for the more conventional um, characters in it. But yeah. it just sort of uh, it just it was just a bit like. Hmm, but then uh, that could also be because the fall, I, I was watching it on headphones, you know, on a, on a mm. device, and it was like not the best way to watch it. I actually think on a decent, could be that we both have a totally different experience watching this on a on on TV with surround sound. We'd actually yeah. get the sound design that the sound designers would exactly. want us to hear, sort yeah. of thing, and it would actually all, all work and be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, otherwise, I thought visually, it was really. I thought it was really it was really nicely shot. Actually, I thought it was mm-hmm. really you know, the the whole kind of um, there's a couple of scenes like poltergeist scenes when you know they're charging around the house, you know, and mm-hmm. forces unknown are attacking them. That were just really masterfully done. I thought. Yeah, some uh, really nice shot composition and things going on. You know, yeah. it, it, it does look good. You know, it, yeah. it's just sort of plot wise and dialogue wise, it's just a little bit a bit too obvious, a bit too average. Yeah, they got just the, I, get to that sort of punchy ending. Yeah, which was yeah that 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 kind of made up for it, I think. Really, but, I mean, I just I don't think if I'm if I'm honest with you, and it could just be that like they were going for a more serious a more serious film and they wanted to leave it behind. But I just think it's a missed opportunity not having there were opportunities for more humorous stuff mm. in there than 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 they took. Um, but that could just be me with you know my my expectations, my unfair expectations of an Aussie film. Hmm. I, I just want to sort of name drop a couple of other films which which I recommend um, with, with with heroines doing things more realistically, uh, and that's a film called the The Pact. I don't know if you've come across that one. Not yet. I think it's, it's, it's been like, about five years old or so, but it's it's class because um, you know this this girl goes to her sister's house. Her sister's disappears, so she goes there to look after her niece and things. And shit happens, you know, sort of, sort of supernatural stuff starts happening. She walks out of the door and she doesn't go back. She goes to a motel, <laughs> doesn't, go, doesn't go back unless there's a policeman with her in, in daylight, you know, <laughs> which is which just like really refreshing. It's like, oh, right. And the sequel to it, the pack two, which I haven't had a chance to um, see properly yet. I, I sort of saw the first 10 minutes. That is the only film I've come across which actually has proper scary shadows. Okay. You know, um, there's, there's a better, better there. than Bram Stoker's Dracula. Even better than that. Um, it's really unsettling when you see it. Uh, it works really well. Um, yeah. But anyway, how are we going to score Out of the Shadows? Um, I don't want to be unfair to it. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think it's 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 definitely worth the seven because of the amount of effort that's gone into it, and because mm-hmm. it was a it was a it was a good story and it's like you kind of you know you don't want to sort of you don't want to do it do someone's legs in just because they've been ambitious 
if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's not that doesn't seem fair. Um, but like, I'd say that you know, I would, yeah, I'd say it's definitely worth at least a seven, but just because it's it's directed well, it's professional, it looks professional, it's it's composed, it's a good story, sure. um, and it's and it's reaching quite high. It is. Um, now, me and Rich have reviewed two films this week, um, which our listeners would have just heard. Um, both films are called Genesis, and they were pretty visible. Um, and, and this this is more entertaining than than both of those put together. So I'm I'm actually going to join you on a seven. Okay, it's time for the last part of the show. So it's down to me and Rich to crack on with the washing up. And we're going to start, well, we're going to skip over the first one, actually. Beast of Burden, we've already talked about it at length in the um, in the DTV chart. So let's move on to Enter the Wild. Now, this is an interesting one uh, because it's actually a remake of a 2008 film from Australia, which was originally called Monkey Puzzle. In fact, this was originally going to be called uh, Jigsaw Puzzle. Right. Had its, has its title changed. So the um, director of this one, can't remember his name now, but um, yeah, he he originally made this same film uh, ten years ago in Australia. So this one's set in America. It's about a bunch of friends uh, traveling into the wilderness to find the world's rarest tree. And if you see the trailer, you'll know that uh, apparently one of the um, the guys leaves their map at the top of a cliff after they've parasailed down it. Uh, sorry, abseiled down it. Um, and bickering and mind games ensue, basically. I, I like the look of it. As I said earlier, um, I, I like these sort of, you know, um, man against nature against other kind of threat going on kind of movies. That's and interesting it's quite... that, it's, uh, that it's a guy remaking his own movie 10 years down the line it's like he hasn't it looks like he hasn't made anything else so he's basically exactly, yeah. he's lived this film for god knows how long i mean monkey puzzle was his first feature this, uh, his name's mark forstman mm. uh, he'd done a short in 1999 called threaded so then he did monkey puzzle. so he's basically making one film every 10 years uh, <laughs> and he decided uh, for whatever reason to make the same film again uh, the cover i found was I found the cover quite striking instantly, but then it, sure. you soon realise that it's that old back turn to the camera <laughs> yeah. thing again. Uh, but he, that said, uh, you know, it's quite enigmatic, I thought. And mm. the it's weird. It says from the studio that brought you Day of the Mummy, which I've never even heard of. So the, that's what? a that's an unusual thing to highlight. I think I've got that on my shelf. <laughs> I think so. I, th- I think I won it in a prize, and I've n- I've never opened it. One day I will. Um, okay, moving on, we've got um, Genesis, um, the fall of a crime empire, as we talked about. Uh, the next one, Higher Power. I'm I'm quite excited by this one. I, I didn't think I would be. Um, but this looks really good. I, I reckon this must have only just missed out on a cinema release. Well, from the look of the poster and everything, and saying it says from the producer of Transformers, and that mm. I, would do, I, I haven't watched the trailer, which I'm assuming you have. Yeah, so, but it seems like a, a film with some money behind it. It's got some money behind it. It's got some pretty decent special effects going for it. Um, so, so the basic premise of this is that there's a an alien gamma ray heading towards Earth, and the only way to stop it is to try and um, 
sort of develop these people into becoming sort of alien hybrids or something. And it's basically about this guy restarting this experiment where he's he's focusing on this one person and forcing him to do things and every time he gets angry he gets you know he gathers a bit more power and it, it looks great it really does I, I really recommend checking out the trailer um this, this could be a sleeper hit cover looks a bit highlanderish it, uh, cover doesn't really do it any justice it really doesn't um you know it, it's uh yeah it, it just looks really cool um so, as I said, some really good effects in there. I mean, you know, the guy almost turns into like uh, Mr. Coloss- Mr. Colossus from uh, The Watchmen. Oh, uh, oh um, Dr. Manhattan. Mr. Manhattan, yeah, that's him, yeah. Um, it, it goes in that sort of direction. Oh. Yeah. So, is it, would you say it's like a superhero sort of movie? I mean, I, think, is- I think it gets there, but it's sort of kind of more sort of the fugitive and things like that going on as well. Um, yeah, it looks very, very good. Uh, okay, so Mohawk, again, our number one uh, in the DTV chart at the moment. Um, that's finally released. It's also on Netflix still, so, you know, if you've got Netflix, go check that out. Okay, um, Out of the Shadows is only going to streaming media sites um, like iTunes and things like that. Um, it's an Australian horror movie about a young couple, um, sort of wife's pregnant, moving into their first new home, and wouldn't you know it, it's haunted um it, this gains points for the fact it's australian and the fact it sort of embraces um sort of catholic religious rituals and things like that and it has got a pretty over-the-top full-on ending um but the rest of it is pretty run-of-the-mill uh moving on to red or red dog depending on which region you're in i am not touching this with a barge pole there is no way i'm watching a film about dogs being trained to blow up tanks <laughs> are, you a dog, are you a dog lover Mike? I'm, a do- I'm a dog lover do you have a dog, um, Mike? i don't have one at the moment my parents got one uh-huh. but um this is one of the things on the cards in the near future but yeah um this is basically about a russian anti-tank unit who trains dogs by strapping explosives to their back and tell them to go run beside tanks um <laughs> Yeah, it's war, Mike. What do you expect? You know, they, it's they have to use whatever resources are available. To... I'm sure. I'm sure they did, but even so, uh, but they sports... kind of spin it like kind of spin it like it's a like it's a great thing, though, don't they? <laughs> oh yeah. But what I wanted to point out with this one is, um, I mentioned I was asking Dave Wayne about it, and he said that uh, it's a dubbed release. There's no subtitle track, which is really disappointing because mm. yeah, I love, you know I'm always interested in watching uh, Russian films and stuff, but I'm not touching a dub track with a Hmm. Yes, moving on to Scorched Earth. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier on. Gina Carano and John Hanna again in a uh, futuristic western. It's not bad. It's got some good gunfights and things going for it. Directed by John um, Stockwell, I believe. Yeah, it's um, and it, you know it it shows. Um, moving on to Stillborn. Uh, um, there's one there's one area of horror movies which. I really don't like, and that's anything to do with kids, um, babies and kids. I'm not, you know, in horror movies. What about dogs, Mike? Horror, I've never come horror across horror movies with dogs. Man's mm. best friend, Cujo. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I don't mind that. Okay. But, um, but yeah, kids in peril. Um, it's not a genre I particularly like. In this one, it's about a um, woman who 
has twins, but one of them died during childbirth, I believe, and she's sort of haunted by some creature who wants the live one. That sounds wants... very J-horror. Yeah, everyone thinks she's crazy. It, it even might be a remake of a J-horror one, who knows. It, lo- it looks good, you know, production-wise, but it's just not me. Also not me is Amanda and, and the Fox, also known as the Amazing Fox. Um, what I love yeah, about not, this is that they released it in, they, for the for the UK release. They changed the species of fox. Yeah. <laughs> to make it a more familiar looking fox rather than the sort of grey mm. ferret like looking fox. I, from the I, original I believe you. I think you put this up on Twitter, and I think you got I a bit of flack for it, didn't you? Well, it was, uh, no, it was a uh, 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 MJ Simpson sort of picked up. Was like, well, it is kind of understandable. Because that thing on the uh, on the original poster isn't really recognisable as a fox, and I was yeah. like, "Well, yes, you know, I understand that, but still, that doesn't change the fact that it's misleading, <laughs> and that yeah. you might get people going, well, when's this, you know, red fox going to turn up?" <laughs> well, that's it, and also the fact that you know the other cover points out that it's Amanda and the fox. You know, it's it's basically about this little girl who loves animals who ends up sort of caring for this fox it's not just about some lovable fox running around for the whole film it's it's one of those annoying things you know and it's a kids movie you know you could do better basically and i'm not touching it the oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not touching yeah. it either it's, it's only we haven't seen that many you know animal kids movies re- released mm. lately so it's interesting that, that no, you know, this dinosaurs. time it's a fox yeah <laughs> Uh, okay, so the last warrior. Now we um, we made a bit of a boob, didn't we? Um, I'm well, I made a bit of a boob um, because when I was sort of looking at what films are coming out and I came up with this one, I, I was looking for a trailer for it, and I came across this Disney Russian Disney film, and I'd assumed that it was the same thing. So then we sort of went online, went, oh, look at this! They're sort of um, selling this. Disney movie as if it's like like an 18 certificate. Um, how w- wrong we were. That Disney movie is still coming out at some point, um, but not just yet. So this is a completely different Russian film, also called The Last Warrior. Um, and I've seen the UK trailer, which is crap, basically. Um, it's one of those ones which doesn't have any dialogue to sort of let you know, so you know it's foreign. Yeah. But reading through the comments underneath, somebody pointed out that actually this was released in France earlier in the year under the title Rage. So I went looking for a band um called Rage and I found that and it was a much better trailer, gave a much better idea of the sort of the action and things in the film and the comedy and the, and the sort of dialogue, even though it was all in French. Um, so what about, I, what about an original Russian trailer? Yeah, no, I, I didn't come across the Russian version, unfortunately. It was originally but, um, called The Scythian. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, I might be able to look for it under that. But um, I, I'm really interested in this. I really want to see it. So this this could be one of our future reviews, this one. Uh, moving on to The Little Mermaid. Now, again, um, you know, when we do the footnotes, I'll be putting uh, – Richard's put together, um, like, the original poster and the um, – sort of you know the, the uk cover but he's just put for this one you've put the, the sort of comparison with the disney little mermaid film yes because it is it's it's very it's close blatant, to the mark isn't it it's blatantly, blatantly trying, ripping it's, off. it's blatantly trying to look like it's the next disney live action remake 
exactly. of one of their properties. Yeah. So we had uh, we had the Jungle Book, we've had Beauty and the Beast, and now we've got the Little Mermaid. And loads mm. of people are going to be picking up in the supermarket thinking that's what it is, uh, and it's not. It's it's an it's like the original. Uh, sorry, not like the original. Like the Disney Little Mermaid, its source material is the Hans Christian Andersen tale. Yeah. But this is uh, no pun intended. But this is a completely independent project. It's just they they've taken the design of the mermaid of Ariel sort of floating through the water and pointing up into the you know pointing her arm up, and they've just taken that and used the same thing <laughs> to make it look like it's uh, it's that film, which uh, mm-hmm. it's not. I watched the trailer for this one and it it did confuse me again. So because it came up and I was like, what they oh they. Disney are releasing Little Mermaid. And then it was like, no, clearly this isn't Disney. But it doesn't yeah. look too bad. It's got Shirley MacLaine in it as a as a supporting player. I think uh, I think the in, the intended audience will enjoy it. Okay. Uh, moving on to Lost City of Gold. Um, this was recent. Re, uh, excuse me. Uh, moving on to the Lost City of Gold. This was originally going to be called Inquisitor. Um, but now it's called Lost City of Gold. I couldn't find a trailer for this at all un- under either title. Um, well, on cost- IMDb, it's still uh, sort of it's showing progress, in, pro- in production yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, but it's the so yeah, I'm not sure. The the UK poster, it's or cover, it's once again, it's our yeah. friends with their backs to us, looking out at the lost uh, at the lost city of uh, El Dorado. And uh, mm. you've got some interesting people in the cast. We've got Vernon Wells. Yep. And I'm particularly pleased to, to see uh, Branscombe Richmond's name uh, on the top of a film because he's he's a character actor who I've enjoyed in many films. I haven't seen him in anything for a very long time. His most high-profile role, I think, was as uh, as the Scorpion King, uh, as uh, Don... Uh, sorry, Dwayne Johnson's. I think it's his brother in the Scorpion King. Oh, right, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was the first time I'd pretty much seen him on it. But he was—he used to be a staple of uh, DTV action movies and stuff. He was everywhere, playing various characters, usually quite funny guys. So mm. um, I'm interested to see this almost purely on the basis of him being in it and Vernon Wells as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, um, moving on. Well, we've got the Mountain Lodge, which we talked about earlier. Uh, also coming out, um, the senator. Now, this was originally going to be called Chappaquiddick, which is the name of the island that this, that is set on. Um, obviously, that's going to mean nothing to a UK audience. So I don't, uh, I've got no issue with them changing the title for this one. Uh, this is a uh, a dramatic retelling of a scandal that happened in 1969, where uh, Senator Ted Kennedy, the younger brother of um, Bobby Kennedy, of course. Um, was involved in the death of a um, a campaign uh, a campaign manager called Mary Jo. Um, basically, he drunk drived his Cadillac off the side of a bridge. She drowned. He didn't. And you know they tried to cover it up basically, and then that didn't work. Um, so he had to sort of kind of come clean at the end of it. Um, it's it's a very very well put together film. Um, great cast uh, with uh, you know the likes of Ed Helms in there, uh, Bruce Stern playing Joseph Kennedy, and uh, even Clancy Brown turns up as well for the sort of small role. It, it, it's very well done. Where do you stand on Jason Clark? Yeah, he's I don't know. He's he's good in this. You know, he plays. 
this sort of character who sort of kind of wants to do the right thing, but at the same time save his neck, you know, um, which is exactly what you'd expect from a Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember what else I've seen him in though. He did like was he? I think he did one of the. Ter- uh, I think it was Terminator. Oh, he did Genesis the last Terminator one. And That's right, yeah. D- uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I think. I haven't was. seen any of those. Oh, have you not? No. But yeah, he's just one of those actors who's kind of getting these. I know this is DTV, but some of the other stuff is it's like high-profile mm. leading or whatever role or leading or, or yeah. you know, main supporting roles. But I just don't kind of get, you know, him. I'm just not drawn to him. You know, it's not not in the same way as like a. Uh, George Clooney or or, or oh, no. No, no. sort of drawn to. He's kind of yeah. uh, he's more. He seems like a guy who should be a character actor rather mm. than the lead player. So I don't know. Is, uh, but I think he's I say he's leading this one along with uh, Kate Mara and uh, they say yeah. good cast. Mm. So um, yeah, the uh, I, I would potentially watch this. It's an interesting period in American political uh, history. Yeah, Kennedys and stuff. So should uh, it, should do well. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, finally, it is Whispers, which I believe was made in 2015. Yeah. Um, and is horrible, basically. Uh, from the trailer, um, it is just so generic. Um, yeah. Which Woman, is a shame, because it's a British movie. You want to yeah. sort of kind of say good things and support It's interesting movie. as well, looking at the trailer, because I was convinced... When the woman was speaking uh, at the beginning, I was convinced it was a foreign movie dubbed into English. Hmm. Um, but it turns out that isn't the case. You know, um, I, 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 I don't know. It's just weird the way her dialogue comes across. There's music playing and stuff in the background as well. And it, it, it comes across really weird as if something's been redubbed in. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's about a woman who, again, gone through some difficult childbirth experience or something. Something to do with the death in a family ends up in this place, blah de blah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, when I, I put on one trailer and I think I turned it off after two seconds and I thought, no, no, I've got to be professional here. I've got to look at the proper trailer. Watched it again. Yeah, no, it's it's just not for me. And there's not much whispering going on in it at all. It's all shouting. <laughs> she also she made her film debut with the second film in the Killjoy. Killer Clown franchise, which is uh, uh, quite some, curious. Everyone's got to start somewhere, so that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was made in Devon, apparently. So, mm-hmm. so you know, don't get yeah. many horror movies made in Devon getting released. So this is true. Yeah. Featuring Page Three uh, model or whatever, uh, you know, mm. top model were uh, Keely Hazel uh, oh, right. appears in this one. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't think I don't think as much of an audience for this one really. It does. I will give it some credit. It does have a nice. There's a nice sort of haunted mirror effect in the trailer. I quite like the look of. But um, yeah, other than that, it's it's you know kind of like the Out of the Shadows one, which gets more points because it's Australian, um, which has a little bit more ex- exoticism to it. But uh, no, it's very just you know we've seen it all done before. Anyway, that's the end of the washing up, which means it's the end of the show. So thanks for Rich for joining me on this Monday evening. No problem at all, Mike. Thank you very much. Um, and tune in again next time. Thank you.
thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.